Alright, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Oh my god, I smell shenanigan! I have no idea what's going on, but I am excited! Yeah, baby, yeah! Ooh, ever dance with the devil in the bed? Inconceivable! Cowabunga. I thought this was a party! It's two Nerfskis and a podcast. With Eric and Jeff. giveaway at nine all witches all skeletons all jack-o'-lanterns watch watch the magic pumpkin watch happy happy halloween 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 happy happy halloween silver shamrock welcome no. everybody off. stop it stop it stop it <laughs> welcome everybody uh happy happy halloween from here at uh two nerds keys on a podcast um it is it is I, Eric, and uh, that was Jeff. And yes, we are here to wish you a very, very special happy Halloween. Um, it is the end of Horror Month, and we want to thank you all for uh, coming back and hearing us talk about everything that's horror-related. And uh, it's fitting that we started with the Halloween franchise. We're going to end with the Halloween franchise. Ladies and gentlemen, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. A very different kind of uh, Halloween franchise movie because it. That's, I mean, uh, Michael that's Myers is in it. I mean, yes, I mean Michael Myers is in it, but not in the way you expect. He's just in he. The way they establish it is that it's a part of the, like the movie. The first two movies take place within that world's universe, and so um, I'm going to turn it over to you, Jeff. Why don't you explain kind of the, at least the concept of Halloween Three because. I think- so in order to kind of talk about Halloween three, you got to talk about a little bit of Halloween two. So if you haven't seen Halloween two, I'm going to give shit away. Um, so essentially, when that movie was being made, John Carpenter learned that it was going to be made with or without his involvement. So he agreed to at least write it, but not uh, but not direct or anything like that. So he essentially said, all right, we're going to fucking kill Michael Myers because I don't want to do any more of this shit. And so he ended the movie in a way to essentially give a definitive death to to Michael Myers, which obviously did not happen. Uh, so, <laughs> But that was intended to be the death of Michael Myers. And John Carpenter and Deborah Hill actually had an idea to in order to continue the series without Michael Myers, because it's Halloween, like anything like there's endless story possibilities to center around the themes of Halloween over. I mean, just, just look at the movie trick or treat, for example, and for the love of God, please make a fucking sequel to that movie. That movie's fantastic. Anyway. um, So I, I almost went on a whole tangent on trick or treat. For the love of God, <laughs> go watch Trick or Treat, everyone. It's so fucking good. Any, <laughs> it's really good. So, essentially, uh, John Carpenter uh, enlisted the help of Nigel. I'm blanking on the dude's name, uh, but I believe he was credited for writing uh, 
a few episodes of uh, uh, The Outer Limits. And so, you know, comes comes from a decent sci-fi background. And they had the idea of implementing witchcraft in the computer age. And so they essentially took that basic concept and pulled in inspiration once uh, Tommy Lee Wallace, the first film's uh, editor, uh, he was given the opportunity to direct the this film. So he was a big fan of Invasion of the Body Snatcher. So if you if you know that film, then you definitely see some uh, tips of the hat to that movie. I think even the yeah, even the town that this movie takes place in Santa Mira, that's straight from Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. And so a lot of the same crew uh, that were involved with uh, with the first and second film come back for this. You have uh, you have John Carpenter uh, back on the uh, back on the soundtrack with Alan with Alan Howarth, by the way, turning out a fucking great score. Uh, you have Dean Cundy returning as cinematographer. You have, uh, you know, obviously Deborah Hill back involved. So a lot of the same, even uh, Dick Warlock, who is one of the main uh, robot henchmen. Uh, we'll get into that shit. Uh, he actually played Michael Myers in Halloween, too. So, oh, OK, so and uh, the uh, the gal who plays uh, uh, Tom Atkins, ex-wife, that's Nancy Loomis, who played Annie in the in the first Halloween uh, there's a, I, I hear conflicting stories on this, but apparently Jamie Lee Curtis is also in the movie as a, as like the, yeah, she's the, she's the, the voice of the curfew announcer and she's like, the yeah, but I mean, service provider. Yeah. But I think even Curtis herself has kind of disputed that. So I don't know who, I don't know what the fuck that's about, but regardless, they had this whole crazy fucking idea. And this film was essentially a test pilot to see how how well this anthology route could really take on. And it was actually Deborah Hill's decision to cast Tom Atkins because she she figured that there haven't really been too many leading men that match this description. You know, like Tom Atkins was this normal looking dude who, you know, wasn't chiseled wasn't uh you know wasn't like fucking schwarzenegger or stallone or any of those guys he was this average looking joe and uh the fact that he is a borderline alcoholic uh actually kind of adds a little bit of uh, interesting layer to to his character uh and so yeah the movie just kind of kicked off from there and unfortunately uh I think even uh, Tommy Lee Wallace disputed with uh, with the producers on actually calling this Halloween three. And uh, he was unfortunately overruled. So the the movie comes out and in the weeks leading up, it was clear that the audience interest was in Michael Myers and the backlash was immediate and swift. It did make its money back, but just barely squeaking out a profit. And so the anthology route was immediately killed right there. And about seven years later, that's when Halloween four, the return of Michael Myers was, uh, was brought back and they made damn sure and well to emphasize the fact that yes, Michael Myers is in this movie. Uh, but over time, people started looking back on this movie and kind of, 
or it was largely ignored for a while. It was just kind of seen as like the black sheep of the franchise, like that weird side story that didn't have Michael Myers. But I want to say in the 2000s, that's when people really started going back and kind of looking at this movie through a new perspective, especially since at that point, you know, that was like post resurrection. And uh, so it uh, was kind of at a low point and it kind of started gaining this relatively decent cult following and it only continued to grow over the years to the point where just recently I saw fucking Halloween three merchandise in Target, which is the weirdest thing, but I love to see it. So my history with this movie uh, is actually pretty interesting. I was just getting into horror films and when it when it came to to this movie, I had no idea what the hell it was because, you know, I saw it Halloween three. But every time I did some research on it, it was just saying, like, Michael Myers is not in this movie, so don't watch it. But I'm a completionist. I want to you know, I want to see everything that a franchise I'm into has to offer. So I watched it anyway and I fucking hated it. I I was confused by everything going on. Uh, I didn't like the ending. I it was just too weird. I I don't know. It it didn't uh, didn't click with me even going in knowing that Michael Myers was not in it. So that that wasn't my problem from the get go. However, the movie just I don't know something about it kept me going back to it. And the more times I watched it, I started just growing this weird appreciation for it. And now I'm at a point where I've I've spent so many years with the movie and, you know, just seeing the Halloween franchise grow and evolve. You know, the, the fact that we have a new uh, new set of films going on right now, that's they're clear as day paying homage to this movie. It's, uh, yeah, I'm just going to say it. It's, this is one of my favorite movies. I love this weird little fucking movie. Well, I mean, it's a shame that this movie didn't, um, get the reception it did because it really is very different from the rest of the franchise, isn't it? it I mean, the only time you see Michael Myers in it is because you see a commercial for the movie, um, when, uh, Right before, right before, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Dan, who Tom Atkins plays, uh, right before Dan escapes, uh, there's a TV, the TV in his room is playing, um, Halloween, the, the first one. And that's, you hear the, that's how you hear the classic theme. And you see, um, you see, uh, Jimmy Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode in there. So, uh, I mean, there's some, I mean, there's, exactly. there's not, there's nothing really to do with Halloween, but sorry, what were you saying? Because I was going to say, like, I always wondered if if they continued with the anthology route. Like, I, I always wondered if they would try to if they would all have subtle little references to each other to show the movie we saw before exists in the current movie's universe. Hmm. Or or maybe it would just always like like, uh, you know, show that the first Halloween movie exists in its own little world. But yeah, we'll we'll get into what what could have been later on, but Eric, 
what did you think of this uh this little gem you know what i liked it i thought it was a i thought it was Fuck, an interesting yeah. unique i thought it was a unique interesting thing i mean i i do have a few a few things to say oh you know i I, like I totally three. have my i totally have my gripes too it's yeah it's one of those movies where i know it's not like there's moments that are legitimately brilliant and there's moments that are just so goddamn stupid but i love it i mean so starting off with it i'm like here's here's something that i thought was really cool um and i i noticed i wasn't really paying attention to it until i looked up and like oh wow that's interesting so um the opening credits um the way the music is synced with the visual and i'm like fucking cool that is actually really cool though in in all seriousness the way that you know um the shapes the way that uh, the design just forms itself as the music keeps going and it's synced up to the music too i'm like fascinating i like this and then it opens up with the uh it opens up with uh with the guy who's running away from these oh, weird men in uh, suits so, so sorry to cut you off before we get there did you notice the significance of the pumpkin uh yes the pumpkin is every, it's halloween yes well, um, well not only that the fact that it's a digital display was meant to coincide with the theme the overall theme of the movie ah uh, yeah okay and, no and i did i did get that yeah well so that okay. that kind of signifies to me that every every one of these potential anthology movies would have probably opened in a similar format revolving around a pumpkin of some kind to signify that it is halloween indeed yeah i mean specific especially since you know the first movie was um the first halloween you know has that classic jack-o'-lantern i mean yeah when you think of pumpkins you're usually thinking of jack-o'-lanterns and those are usually associated with halloween so jeff yeah, is right I, in, yeah because even case. uh yeah because yeah, it was also used uh you know like a, a relatively similar intro in in halloween too so there was a continuing theme going on it was around halloween 4 is is when they abandoned that and wasn't really used again until halloween 2018 so that's why i had a big stupid smile on my face the first time i saw that because i'm like oh, they brought that shit back yeah i was definitely grateful that they definitely brought that back but but yeah no so yeah the story starts off uh this guy escapes from um this guy escapes from um, like these weird men in suits, um, and he he tells like this guy who owns the um, who owns like this jack o' lantern. I mean, no, not jack o' lantern. Who owns like this car shop? He's just like uh, tell everyone or whatnot. And um, what's funny is that I see the title card that shows that the because um, there are different title cards that prompt like, oh, this is Saturday the twenty third. This is Saturday the 29th. So like when they get to the guy who owns the car um car shops place he's like one hour later and in my head i'm just stupidly thinking spongebob one hour later <laughs> so great. moving so then so then the guys transport to the hospital your first introduce oh uh, no i mean you you meet um tom atkins's character dr Ch dr dan chalice and yes he, you are right um he is not a very you know i mean it's the 80s he's not very machismo he's he looks like an everyday working man. You know, he's a doctor who has an alcoholic problem. And, he, you know, his relationship with uh, his ex-wife and family, not the best. Um, although I will say 
because it is Tom Selleck. Um, if you ever seen a picture of Tom Selleck, uh, Tom Selleck, <laughs> I, I mean, Tom Atkins, but it does relate to Tom Selleck. Uh, Tom Atkins does have a one fine of a mustache. And um, I, I felt I, I felt my testosterone levels boosting every time <laughs> that mustache was in frame. So for me, um, the man who has the best mustache in the world is Freddie Mercury. And then right behind him is Tom Selleck. Tom well, Atkins is easily number three. Well, you know what? I will dispute that because I met Tom Atkins in person and I can vouch for the fact that the mustache is even better in person. So <laughs> boom, bitch. Isn't it gray now at this point? Cause he's gotten older. It's a mature stash. I wouldn't expect you to understand. Oh my God. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, you get one of the more, I mean, obviously earlier, um, the way he escapes from one of the guys who who's choking him, the, the the man who is in the hospital now, he he gets away. He pulls a chain and he gets the car to crush the guy get to crush one guy in the suit, but he gets away. Um, one guy, another man in suit shows up and just like brutally just like breaks his nose in, or like I don't know what the hell he does, but like does he like break his nose and his brain by like rising it up i was like i couldn't tell what the hell he did to him obviously he killed him like he crushed something in his body but then um it's a really gnarly kill like i i don't it really know, is like, yeah like you said i don't know what he did exactly but ugh, it made me made me squirm first time i saw it it did because i remember i just looked at him like i have this face of like what the fuck did he just do um but earlier he did earlier when he did arrive at the hospital the the man did um say to uh dan because there's a commercial and we'll get into that commercial in a second but you know he sees the commercial and he goes warn everyone we're all going to die and then he just passes out or whatnot and then what's even gnarly after that is that the man in the suit run um escapes but all he does is goes to his car gets in starts like putting pouring gasoline all over him lights himself on fire by the way you can totally tell there's a dummy shot right there of uh right before he lights himself on fire and then uh lights himself on fire and boom blows up car with car inside the car and you're just like that's that's pretty gnarly i'm not gonna lie and then um so the daughter of the guy um ellie shows up and she confirms that you know uh yes that's that's her father and um it cuts to october 29th so and then, um, and then, uh, you know, Tom and Tom's character, Dan, he is in a uh, bar drinking his ass off. <laughs> I love how like Ellie shows up and he's like, and they're like, she's like, uh, tells him, you know, the hospital said to look for you here is like, oh, of course, <laughs> <laughs> of course, I, in my head, I'm just like, of course. Um, but what's great, what's funnier is that like, so you see, you see, um, an advertisement for, uh, the first Halloween play. And then you hear that dun 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 dun, and it's the commercial we played at the beginning, and uh, it's two uh, more days till it's Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Two more days till it's Halloween. Silver, Silver Shamrock. Shamrock. That shit will never leave your head. That is, you know, that's one thing I actually. Before we go any further, one of the things I really enjoy about this movie quite a bit. Anytime that John Carpenter scores a movie. It it's 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 already a good score because John 
the way I understand it, John really kind of scores the movies on the spot. Um, he kind of comes, he doesn't really like, he doesn't really kind of like, uh, watch the movie, watch the movie like ahead of time or like comes up with the score, um, uh, prior to the film. He actually does it right before, right after the film is done shooting and just kind of makes it up on the spot because I think the score for the first Halloween only came up, was only created in like only a couple hours, maybe four hours from what I understand. Um, but yeah, then again, it's also a very simple score. Um, but yeah, hearing, hearing the theme, hearing that annoying commercial, <laughs> um, like good shit. I mean, like it's, that's always one thing I'm always going to appreciate about Carpenter is that like he's a, we said it before when we talked about the first Halloween, the man is a very multi-talented filmmaker and, uh, he is a triple threat. And, uh, even if he's not making movies, he's definitely making some great music out there. And uh, so, John, props to you. You made another fine, fantastic score, even if the song that's more associated with this movie is also one of the most annoying things I've probably heard in my life. But I think uh, we can all say for sure that, like, everyone gets annoyed by that song. But uh, yes. So they so uh, Dan and Ellie, they're going to go travel to the Silver Shamrock Factory in Santa Mira. Um and by the way, they I did learn that they did film this up in Northern California. So this is kind of a theme I felt like that's reoccurring from uh, the fog. Um, wait, did the fog come out before or after this? Before fog was uh, 1980. Okay, so the reason I say that is because it sounds like they're continuing the theme of like coastal towns in Northern California. And you know what? It's I like the way they enter the town. Everyone's just kind of like looking at them, and they get both of them get this uneasy feeling of like what the hell did we just step into? And then they get to the, they get to the little motel that they're staying at. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And um, I'm just like, they just met each other. Right. And um, I'm like, Oh fuck. I know what's going to, I know what's about to happen. And they just make out. And uh, later- okay. I have to interject. I've seen every movie in this goddamn franchise at least five times. Even the uh, shitty, even the shittiest movies in this franchise, I've seen it. I've seen it a lot, and I can fucking vouch for the fact that Doctor Chalice is the horniest character in this goddamn <laughs> franchise. He is, isn't he's, he? He's yeah. grabbing, he's grabbing the nurse's ass. He's, he's trying to like seduce that uh, that chick at the corner, and then he's like banging Ellie at, at the motel, like. Is it because he's got because that of the fucking mustache? mustache. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. That is the power of the Atkins stash, my friend. <laughs> Number three mustache, my fucking ass. Well, um, I'll say this much: she's definitely taking the Atkins diet. Hey, oh! <laughs> I had to do I'm it done. once. I'm done. Fuck this. I had to do it once. <laughs> by the way, uh, uh, by the way, the. Uh, I'm blanking on the actress's name, but uh, the guy who plays Ellie, she was actually almost a replicant. Really? Stacey Nelkin? So was she going to play the, um, God, uh, uh, what was her, what was her name? Yeah. Sean she was going to play Sean Young's character. Um, no, I don't think, I don't think Sean, Sean Young's character specifically, but you know, any, could have been any of the replicants that, uh, that Deckard hunts down. Well, that's ironic you're saying that because this movie did come out in 1982, the same year as Blade Runner and all like the biggest years, Poltergeist, of course, The Thing and um, E.T. 
need we say any more about anything else that came out in 1982? Like that was a good year for film. Um, so Halloween came out a pretty good time, I will say. Um, Halloween three, yeah. But um, so one of the most gnarly things that happens is um, so we need to talk about poor Marge. Um, just an innocent woman who just notices a microchip. Hold on, you're gonna skip over little buddy. Oh, who gives a shit about him? All I care about is his death later. <laughs> is it busted? I don't give a shit about that kid. One of the most annoying piece of shit kids I've seen in like cinema in a but long time. Like the payoff. Yes, the payoff is great, but until then, I'm just like, fuck you, kid. I don't give a shit. You're just the spo- he's he's like the spoiled typical like uh, he's the typical spoiled um, like kid from like Southern California who like you know his parents are his father is like I guess a big seller or whatnot of the company or whatnot, um, and like his wife, they're all like you know they're in an rv i mean like when we first meet them they just pull up in an rv and like the bike almost hits dan in the in like the body or whatnot like it falls off the front of the rv and um i mean they seem like nice people but fucking fuck that kid so much what a they seem like what nice people guy. what movie did you yes. watch <laughs> no they're fine the kid is a douchebag I, I i did not get good vibes from the kid um marge on the other hand, seems like a pleasant woman. And I'm like, she, you know, she had a nice conversation with Ellie. Um, oh, by the way, before we get to what happens to Marge, since you brought up the fact that um, Dan Chalice is the most horniest character in all of Halloween. Um, is it fair to say that Ellie's also kind of horny? Because like what happens is, uh, you know, she showered and everything. She, um, she like wraps herself in the bed. Um, Dan walks up to the bathroom. She traps him in the bathroom and just like unrobes. <laughs> so they're so I'm like, oh yeah, okay. So they're both getting it on, and I'm and in my head I'm like, you guys just met like a couple days ago. What the fuck? <laughs> I guess it is that uh, Atkins diet mustache. I guess. Um, yes, that's right. I did it again. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm too proud of that joke, and I will not file it. Um, Anyways, moving on to Marge. Um, do you want to describe what happens to Marge? Because uh, this poor woman. So it's uh, it's for one, really good foreshadowing. And two, holy shit, the makeup. So she she starts uh, picking at uh, this little this little uh, pin thing that fell off, uh, fell off the mask. And there's a microchip on it. And so she starts picking at it. And then it fires a fucking laser. And then... It uh, basically looks like someone took a can opener to her face and then a spider crawls out as she's. Is that a spider? I I don't know if that's a spider. I think it was either a spider. It it was an insect. Either way, an insect that should not have been there crawls out Mm -hmm. of her body as as uh, she's gasping her last breath. And uh, well, for one, it uh, it foreshadows what we're going to see later on, or at least gives us a little a little taste of it. It showcases really good, uh, really good makeup effects. It uh, it immediately makes you ask, "What the fuck?" In all the right ways, and then we're introduced to one of the greatest villains in a movie fucking history. Doc, or almost called him Doctor. God damn it, <laughs> Connell motherfucking Cochran. 
aka uh, Dan O'Hurley. Oh, oh, yeah, Dan O'Hurley. I think is his last name. Um, yes. And uh, when I first saw him, I'm just thinking, um, uh, Dick, you're fired. <laughs> because this is the same man who would play the old man of OCP in RoboCop, like years later, like five years later down the road. And now I'm just, which is ironic because, like, you know. Um, spoilers, all the men in suits are robots and like, it makes sense that he's working with robots later on down the line, <laughs> five years later in one of the best, like action films ever made of the eighties, at least, um, or all time. You can argue that too, but yeah, he shows up. He's like, he is the least robotic man in all of the town. And she's like, Oh, everyone, I'm so sorry to disturb you all she marge is going to be just fine we're going to take her to the nice beautiful facility here over at the at the factory so everyone please calmly stay calm everything's going to be just fine he like he he completely sells the kind old businessman persona so fucking well and when you see the stark contrast of that or not even that it's uh because you do see the polar opposite as just evil, conniving, just fucking crazy motherfucker. And the way he and he's just able to flip on that persona on pretty much in an instant. Like there's just little moments like uh, like later on when uh, like when they're getting that little factory tour and uh, like I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but fuck it, whatever. Uh, they uh like she sees what she thinks is her father's car, and then she's blocked by by the uh by the robot henchman, and then it, the way that he just the way that uh, Dan O'Hurley just you know puts on the uh nice little smile to you know because uh because Buddy's there with him, and then the moment Buddy turns away, he just flips that shit into an evil fucking grin. Ah, God, oh, motherfucking God. Even when he's even when he's in his evil persona, he's still kind of a charming evil bastard, isn't he? Oh, you still got a smile on there. He is. He's just. He just is more evil, I guess. In that case, he's chewing the fuck out of the scenery, and and I think what makes I didn't get that sense to me. He seemed like he was still reserved. He was still calm. He's just like we're going to. I'm going to make sure that everyone dies. I mean, not not even that. He he is reveling in what he's doing because, again, like we're jumping ahead, so just just roll with it. I would say that is summed up in one moment when, uh, when Doctor Chalice is, uh, you know, he's tied to the chair and just asks, "Why, Cochrane? Why?" And all he says to our lead protagonist on. Why does he have this batshit crazy plan to murder a vast majority of the children and their parents throughout the whole country using pieces of Stonehenge that he's broadcasting with with these fucking chips attached to the mask that activate through the connection of Stonehenge? I can't... This movie's great. (laughs) And all he says to back everything I just described up, he just says, do I need a reason? God bless you, Connell Cochran. 
See, that's but he's not chewing it up though. It's just a nice subtle. Do I really need a reason? No, because he's chewing it up because he is so delighted by what he's doing. Because he's mm. just saying, "Fuck it, I don't need a reason. I'm doing this because I can." He kind of, uh, I mean, he kind of explains. Like, plus, plus, like the the fact that, like the the closest thing you could you could say gives him a motivation is wanting to return Halloween back to its sacrificial origins, which in itself I think is creepy. And the fact that it's used in a way to uh, not only not only like is a is a kind of a inventive way like batshit crazy, but uh, it it if you're gonna kill all the kids in the country, that's uh, that's one way to do it because it's also commenting on on the mass commercialization commercialization that was going on, especially during the early '80s. And part of why you were saying that the song gets so goddamn annoying. I think that's the point because how many catchy ass jingles were uh, like were splattered all over the airwaves, you know? Oh yeah. I can imagine. Pick, pick, mm. pick any, pick any decade. It's always been applied and, but it never leaves your head. You can't escape it everywhere. You turn, there's some goddamn annoying jingle that will always stick with you. Like shit. I, I remember stupid ass jingles from 20 years ago that I haven't seen the commercial since a good jingle will never leave. And yeah, there's a few good jingles. I remember myself. Like I remember the board game trouble. It's like, what are you guys doing? We're getting in trouble. It's like we're getting in trouble. Hungry, hungry, half bows. Hungry, hungry, half bows. Yeah. And nowadays the jingles you hear are like, uh, 800-588-2300 empire today. And of course, uh, Call JG Wentworth 877 Cash Now. That's 877 Cash Now. It's your money. Use it when you need it. Or in our in the case of our Willy Wonka episode, uh, it's your golden egg. Use it when you need it. <laughs> Damn straight. And so, um, so But so yeah, I had always heard that this movie was like a very good example of uh, how anti like it's a good message of anti-capitalism, anti-consumerism. And it definitely shows because, you know, everyone's everyone is everyone's buying those masks like everyone shows across the country. I remember when I saw (laughs) although like I like how like they subtly use uh, Los Angeles uh, for different locations of the country of uh, the country. So like when I saw the one for uh, Seattle, I'm like, Oh fuck you. That's just the Valley. <laughs> but also I, I will say, pr- I think the the, uh, well, for one, I love the fact that throughout that whole montage for various reasons, why I think that whole little montage is so brilliant for one, you're seeing all the kids, like even if they're wearing a different costume, they're still wearing the masks. Like oh, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's crazy and it doesn't match at all. But because kids are so swept up in the hype around these commercials, like it, it strangely works. And and uh, not only are you seeing uh, seeing beautifully shot images that I think perfectly capture the tone of Halloween from a child's perspective, like that, uh, that one shot of the of the kids walking, uh, walking in line. Uh, as as the as the sun is setting and they're in perfect silhouette, like it's it's beautiful. And to me, that images like that sum up Halloween. And what I think 
makes Halloween 3 so unique is despite being associated with a franchise called Halloween, not too many of the movies have a an overarching Halloween like theme itself. Yeah, okay, I can understand that. And so uh and this movie just fucking breathes Halloween. And it's it's so well it's so well portrayed. And and so just just in that two two minute little montage or also with the song overplaying the uh the entire montage, you know, it's basically foreshadowing the oncoming threat because of that beyond that point we've seen what the masks do like like i said like we totally skipped ahead over a lot of shit but uh once we see little buddy's death for one this movie has major balls going there and and so the mask just melts that little shit's head and then he just like his decaying corpse just spits out a bunch of bunch of insects and snakes and it's fucking crazy and then the sn- favorite scenes in the movie by the way because fuck buddy i'm not <laughs> i'm not gonna lie fuck that kid what a what an annoying piece of shit i hate that kid. it, it is guy. so goddamn funny and it's it's honestly one of the best probably one of the best kills in the whole franchise and the i'm gonna uh, agree with you on that yeah <laughs> and so we're uh so now so we see that whole sequence basically demonstrates what's going to happen all throughout the country. And so being that we are, we already saw firsthand what the fuck is going to happen if Tom Atkins is not successful. And yeah, so when we have that montage following shortly after with everything I just mentioned, it's, I think it definitely adds to the movie's creepy tone and it's, it leaves you feeling a lot of different things simultaneously. It's uh, it's a reminder of the lingering threat, but the way it's shot, it takes you back in a strange way to trick-or-treating with your friends on Halloween night. And I think that that's part of what makes this movie so, so unique. Well, you know what also I really enjoyed about this movie? We kind of glossed over it. Um, so since it is technically a Carpenter production, um, well, it's him and Deborah Hill. Um, I think the cinematography by Dean Cundy is like on point. I mean, we had just watched a Dean Cundy movie in uh, Psycho 2. Um, check out that one if you want to hear us talk about that. Um, but yeah, the cinematography I really enjoyed in this one, especially so like so once Tom kind of, um, yeah, Tom Atkins, his character, Dan kind of just figures out what's going on. Um, like the robots descent, the androids descend on his hotel room. He escapes through the back window of the bathroom. And I'm like, even though it's not a tracking shot, I just love the way how like it follows, uh, Dan at first, just kind of like, you know, he runs. He oh, like the, the moment potential. he climbs out of the, out of the window. I was going to say the shot afterwards. And so like, it kind of just follows him. Like you see this shot, like you see the shot of him, like he's running down the street um and then just kind of like falls over a bit because he sees a car um coming and he's like he tries to he tries to stop but he ends up falling 
on his back a little bit and then gets back up and he just runs. And I'm like, I thought it was going to turn into a really cool tracking shot, but I'm like, damn, it doesn't. But still, it's a good shot because it's all covered in silhouette. You can clearly see just in the body language alone how Dan is just like, I've got to get the fuck out of here. Well, plus um, like, well, plus like during uh, during all that, for one, the music is fucking fantastic during that uh, during that sequence. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and two, I think it, uh, you know, because it's, you know, we've seen the all the all the cameras around, uh, you know, around town and, you know, the robots kind of on standby listening closely, uh, you know, because there was that homeless guy that's, uh, you know, that, you know, he he implies that, you know, <laughs> that I well, for, for one, the sound effects is ridic- are ridiculous. It sounds like something from from like slime time live or something. <laughs> I loved his death sequence, by the way. That it was it was man. cool, but the sound effect was fucking crazy. It but, was, do you know what's also kind of uh kind of like creepy? Uh, the way it looks, it almost looks like he's getting uh, he's doing an exchange, if you know what I mean. Because um, he's down on his, they forced him down on his knees, and I'm just like, this could be if if you had just taken a oh job in your window. Yes, <laughs> I'm not. I wasn't gonna say it outright, but you know, there's Jeff for uh, you, everybody. Um, but, but yeah, just the just hearing and then seeing the visual sounds and visuals of just them the android just ripping his head off from the uh, with the spine still attached, and then there's that visual of just like the body just squirting blood all over. I'm like, ooh, I'm but like. I, I- I will say also really the, the uh, I like the practicals in this movie quite a bit actually. I uh, I also do like how they imply that you know that once uh once Cochran moved uh moved into Santa Mira, you know, he uh you know he says that you know my business my business went down, my he wouldn't he wouldn't hire me to work in the factory and and I think that's uh I think that's interesting commentary on, you know, on centrally big uh big corporations running basically bleeding small towns dry yeah kind of reminds me of how i i remember when i watched um when i watched this documentary on walmart and how like i remember there that all yeah. these businesses there were all these businesses that were just like doing pretty well and then when everyone started going to the walmart all their businesses just went down the tubes and that that says a lot about how um uh, how america's become like you know you want to live in this dream of like being able to run your own american dream and then your own american dream is run down by corporate america which is ironic and really sad but um so the ending to this movie is pretty crazy i i'd say and we we hinted at it quite a bit but before we get to the complete ending of the movie just the so you know tom like Dan escapes from like his confines. I like the way how he just like throw the throws the mask onto so they the camera, that, if you so, will. So that apparently took like thirty plus takes. Did it really? Uh huh. They didn't just simply they didn't just simply just go like uh, all right, just simply place the camera on there. No, nah, they no, nah, they 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 did the same thing that fucking uh, uh that Tobey Maguire did in the lunchroom scene in Spider Man. Like, no, we're gonna do this for real, and we're gonna keep trying until we get it fucking right. I think that movie, I think they did what 50 takes on Spider-Man for that or was it something crazy like that? I heard it was 100 takes. I I be I could be completely wrong, but it was a definitely a ridiculous amount of takes for, for that, but so 
Um, so he 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 uh, he frees Ellie, and what he basically does is like he turns on the machine and everything. He like throws on all the all the medallion chips because that's the chips that cause uh, the cause the people to like sh- that shoots the lasers out and kills everybody. Um, uh, that makes them look like can openers or can op- like they've been can opened or whatnot. And then um, what I like is just that visual of like all the scientists that are just like in a circle, like huh? some sort of ritualistic circle. <laughs> oh, okay. I have to mention this part of all. Another reason why Connell Cochran is the fucking I know what you're about to say. (laughs) So he brings Tom Atkins into uh, into like the big secret room, essentially. And there's Stonehenge, (laughs) like a big piece of Stonehenge. And all he says is like, we had a time getting it over here. (laughs) Doesn't doesn't explain and shit. And it's great because it just makes your imagination go fucking wild about how he re- how he actually pulled that off. And the craziest explanation you could think of kind of goes along with his character. He's like, do I really need a reason? Or do you really want to know that sort of shit? Yes, or- I do. But I'm kind of glad I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, he, so like, the way but but like i love how like you know right after he kills every right after everyone dies in the room except cochran like cochran like he just looks up at dan and he just simply claps because it's like well done boy well done (laughs) no i actually this is how i interpret it uh so so while while we're on cochran right now uh i would kick myself in the ass if i did not mention this his whole monologue about the origins of Halloween is shit your pants creepy it's it's so well acted it's very well written Dan O'Hurley just fucking kills it in delivering that entire that entire scene and the moment he turns the TV on and you hear John Carpenter's classic Halloween theme or uh, you know uh, one of the tracks and then he just the way he looks at the camera and just says happy halloween <laughs> that sense chills down my spine every time but in terms of the the grin i think it's not a well done well done i think it's a well good for you but i still won motherfucker <laughs> because i didn't think about that at he, all but you are right he, you could put he, it that way he knows he's going out because regardless it's done. The plan is in motion and he knows there's not a thing he can do about it. And he is just smirking at him, just being like, you he gets try. a good, um, he gets a good death scene, by the way, except for the that weird ass paper mache. I know. I was thinking that I'm just like, what a weird, <laughs> what a like, weird thing. Well, yeah, it, it's even weirder when you have like a movie that has r- relatively pretty solid effects th- throughout but then there's just that one weird ass shot that just awkwardly stands out but i don't care it's great and and then uh plot twit or also well the the, the shots of of ellie and, and uh and dan running away from the factory as they catch his flames holy shit that that is some beautiful cinematography it's right really oh 
God damn it, Dean Cundy. Well, you know, well, you know, the old classic saying, like, how did, cool guys don't how the get fuck did Dean Cundy shoot Jack and Jill? Oh, that's right. He did shoot some. He did shoot Jack and Jill. That's right. I forget about that. What are you that doing, man? Uh, that clearly was a paycheck movie. Um, I don't know if that movie has good cinematography in it. I don't know. I've never watched it. Um, so I, I wanted to mention because I know where you're about to say, but like I wanted to point out. So like from the moment Dan frees Ellie, Ellie doesn't say a word. And yep. you're just and you're just like, you're not really thinking about it. But like in my mind, I'm like, oh, that's right. She hasn't really said anything. And then it's once we get to the car, they're driving away. They're going to go back into town and to war everyone. And then all of a sudden she just sharply turns her head towards Dan and just starts choking him. And you're like, no. <laughs> so they, she causes, they cause the car to crash. Like he gets out and then like it, it you learn that, Oh no, <laughs> Ellie's dead. And she's been replaced by a robot. Oh my God. <laughs> and then, in the back of in the back of uh, Doctor Chalice's head, he's like, "Will she still be down to bang?" <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> but no, what's cool is that like you get you see um, you see Ellie there with her arm right arm ripped off, uh, which is like a really cool effect. I like the way how like the wiring is still like moving around as if it's still thinking that its right arm is still attached. But so he basically takes a tire iron and just like whacks her head off, which is a really cool effect too. Um, and then like, and then the arm is just, and then like the right arm is still trying to choke him and he's able to get it off. But like, there's a moment, obviously it's obviously it's Stacy Nelkin, like just holding her arm up to his face off camera. I'm just like, her arm is only in frame, but like, <laughs> she's just, I'm just thinking like, God, I wonder how Tom's feeling just dragging Stacy just along the ground <laughs> just now. And, uh, <laughs> and able, he's able to get away, but you know, he runs back to, the car shot from earlier in the movie. And he basically is like, uh, he's like, give I, me a phone. I, I love how that guy is just like, Hey, don't I know you? <laughs> That's right. I forgot. Um, and then like he sees, and then like the commercial starts playing and he oh calls, he starts calling this goddamn ending. All right. So Jeff, I'm going to let you finish us out with this ending. So this leads us to, one of the greatest endings in horror movie history changed my fucking mind. So we have Dr. Chalice on the phone, just pleading with whoever the hell he's talking with, just saying, just please take the commercial off. It's going to be, it's going to lead to the death of millions. And he does a really good job at selling the desperation in his voice. And just the way it's edited. It's uh, so he gets two of the three stations taken off. There's one still running and he's just pleading, take it off, take it off, take it off. And it just cuts back and forth between Tom Atkins face and the, and the TV and the, you know, the, the fucking, uh, I can't think of the word, uh, the commercial or whatnot, the, the flashing of the, of the commercial uh, continues to, to grow in speed. And then just keeps saying, stop it, cut, stop it, cut. And, just just yell just say it just say it stop it (laughs) and the way it echoes and segues into the end credits that sends chills down my spine every fucking time because tommy lee wallace 
had the ultimate creative say so in uh, because the studio wanted a happy ending and Tommy Lee Wallace had the ultimate choice of, you know, happy ending and go with the producers or go dark. And he went dark because not only is the leading lady dead, our lead protagonist failed and the villain won. And actually during the uh, apparently during the end credits, originally you were going to hear the sounds of children dying, which I'm I could see how that could be effective if the sound design was done well. But I'm glad I'm glad they cut it the way the way that they did, because it just gets your head it just makes your imagination run wild with what what's happening in the average household. And it's, it's dark. It's fucked up. And it's great because this movie takes risks. It's original. It doesn't give a shit about what it is. It embraces what it is. It, it's so weird. And yet I love every second of it. This is one of my, this is one of my favorite horror films. I have to watch it every October. It's one of my favorite movies. I'm not going to lie. I I find something new to appreciate every time I watch it. And I just, I appreciate that the movie is not afraid to still be violent. It's not afraid to show the death of children. It's, this movie has balls. And the fact that, you know, we have, an unconventional leading man like Tom Atkins. And he's just a delight to watch. Just watch Tom yeah. Atkins in any, any interview that that guy is. It's Tom Atkins. Go, go show Tom Atkins some love. Um, yeah, man, it's. Even though it's. Even though it's like not really a Halloween movie. It, is but it it, it is, is a halloween movie still in terms of its in, themes yes. yeah like in terms of what is directly associated with halloween as as a franchise in its entirety yeah it's obviously the the odd man out but if you keep an open mind and just know for a fact that this isn't the michael myers show this is i feel like knowledge of the contact the knowledge of what of what the thought process was going into making this movie i think amplifies the experience and yeah as as much as i have a soft spot for a decent amount of the halloween sequels i really i would have taken a yearly anthology horror film series with a new writer and director for each installment and just go go fucking crazy with 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 whatever crazy concepts you can you can muster i i would have taken that over seeing michael myers do the same shit over and over again and like i said i i like a majority of those movies but a lot of them are the same so I, I will always take out there crazy ideas that with a little money behind them and people just allowed to do whatever the fuck they want over rinse and repeat formulas. So 
I think it's a... And I, I will say, after Halloween ends, I think Michael Myers should be laid to rest for at least... Because he's always... He's going to come back at, in some way, shape, or form. It's just how this shit works. But... I would say a 10 plus year hiatus for seeing Michael Myers in that time. Go back to the anthology method with Blumhouse involved with the franchise and just knowing what they can do with small budgets and crazy original concepts. I think this is a golden opportunity to really dive in and see finally showcase what audiences didn't know what they were in for in 1982. But now that Halloween three has been embraced and is a cult favorite. Now there's never been a better time to, uh, to give this other method of franchise storytelling a shot, especially if we're at the point where, like I said, we're seeing Halloween three merch at fucking target. Well, you know, it's funny that you mention. It's funny that you mentioned that um, Halloween three is getting more appreciation because I think you already said it yourself at the top of this that it sounds like Jason Blum has talked about maybe bringing the anthology concept back or maybe even taking a look at a potential follow up to season of the witch to kind of see what the world looks like like after the events of that I, of that movie, but. I, I'd be curious to see what happens either way because you are right. Yeah. Yeah. I would say a follow up to Halloween three would depending on how they did it. I kind of just, I like that the movie exists in its own weird little world. And I kind of just want to keep it that way. Either way though, I would, I would, I do agree in the sense that, you know, I think Michael Myers, I, I said this before in the Halloween Kills review, that I think Michael Myers should be retired, if you will. Um, but, you know, it's Hollywood. They will bring him back uh, regardless of how I fucking feel. But um, this is why. So here's why I like Halloween 3 so much in this case, because it is not your typical Halloween movie. You are Jeff is correct. It doesn't feel like it's a Michael Myers movie. It feels like watching something from like the Twilight Zone, Black Mirror. It's like its own little zany or like uh, Tales from the Crypt or, or whatnot. Like it feels like a standalone story about using uh, technology to bring back ritualistic killing, using witchcraft and technology to mass murder millions of children just because do we really need a reason to? Um, that's that's very horrifying. And also, you know, it has a nice commentary on uh, like anti-capitalism, anti-consumerism, just the mindset of America at the time. Um, yeah, we I could I would go for something like this again than seeing the same shit over and over. Like you need more original stories like this. And, I, and like I, I like that Halloween three gave us the idea, but apparently too many people are just like, no, we want to see Michael go around killing people again. Uh, well, even even Tommy Lee Wallace himself said that the worst thing about the movie was the title, because that's kind of what ultimately did it in. They could have just called it Season of the Witch and it would have been just fine. I mean, they could have, but the movie mostly got greenlit because it held the Halloween title. 
So it was, it's kind yeah. of it's, it's kind of ironic that what got it made was also its ultimate downfall. That is a shame, isn't it? Because it really is, like I said, it is really a unique horror film. Like it, it I mean, like it's it's honestly not that scary, but um, but it really is just a unique, like horrifying tale of like uh, just like using witchcraft and modern technology together um and just the the terrors of it all and yeah i like those kinds of stories where it's just like it's like you're doing something different it's not something that's part of the established lore and like i i would love to actually see maybe halloween do more anthology stories maybe start to embrace that more um and only time will tell the only yeah only time will really tell what really happens after halloween ends um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. And, um, I definitely am glad that I finally got to see this movie because I think it really is something special. And I think that it's probably, yeah, it, I think it, in my opinion, it is one of the best Halloween movies in the franchise because of just how radically different it is from every other movie in the franchise, because it doesn't really have Michael Myers, except for like Halloween promo. I mean, promos for the movie and like seeing, um, seeing like a scene from the movie itself. So yeah, um, Halloween three season, the witch, um, definitely deserves more attention and I'm glad it definitely is getting more attention and we could definitely go for more stories like that in the future. But, um, I will say on 100% unironically, one of my prized possessions, it's currently hanging on my wall. I have a Halloween three poster with beautiful original artwork. I wish I could remember the name of the artist signed by Tom Atkins and Tommy Lee Wallace. And so it I, has been, so it has been approved by Atkins power, right? Yes. I, I, I felt like a new man after I was in, in, in the sheer <laughs> presence of the peak of sheer masculinity. God damn it. Okay. All right. I think that's a perfect time to just cut it right there, folks. Um, so thank you for listening to this special Halloween episode and thanks for sticking with us all throughout horror month. Um, ladies and gentlemen, of course, be sure to follow the uh, Instagram page at TNAPCAST. It's T N A A P C A S T. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, like and comment on the videos there. Leave us comments before future installments. And of course we're currently on Apple and Spotify. So, um, from all of us here, have a happy Halloween. Uh, Jeff, why don't you uh, play us out, if you will? I can't. Uh, I'm gonna go try a. I'm gonna go try to grow a mustache. All right. So I'm Eric, and that's Jeff. Happy Halloween, everybody. Stay safe and stay shiny. Have a good one. Cold, cold, cold.